0: Three, two, one, and we're back. It's December 20th, the week of Christmas, and first of all, we have to put out our normal Sunday podcast warning, and I hope all of you take this really seriously. This is not our normal podcast.
1: It is not. This is not the weekly podcast, the daily.
0: I'm quite certain all of our tens of thousands of listeners and all of our podcast awards um, and our uh, you know, recognition for this show and other things we've done is not predicated or based on our Sunday podcast. No, definitely not. M- matter of fact, I can say with 100% certainty, if we were judged solely based on our Sunday podcast, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know
1: how that would come out. <laughs>
0: that would not go well for us. No. But look, the Sunday podcast is our opportunity to defrag from the previous week and really tool up for the following week. In this case, it's Christmas. So I'm going to start out by telling you guys some Christmas stories. Oh. Okay. Because okay, the reason I made sure that Mrs. Zoe isn't, li- oh, or yeah. Miss Zoe isn't mm-hmm. listening. All right, so why don't we tell them, our listeners, what our holiday tradition is um, for Zoe. Oh,
1: you mean the, when you know who shows up?
0: Yeah, so Zoe's, Zoe's a seven, she was born on uh, January 1st and on New Year's Day. And so it wasn't until probably last year, maybe the year before, that she started to figure out that the holiday season wasn't in celebration of her birthday.
1: <laughs> right, that the no, whole world is not celebrating just for her.
0: Even though she went to when she was uh, in kindergarten and pre-K, and we were living in Texas, she went to a Catholic school. So that started to set her thinking straight. But still, I think this year is the first year where I've noticed she really differentiates yeah. the fact that we're not just everyone in the world isn't just celebrating Zoe's birthday. No, she's
1: she's getting a little bit more into uh, her her saying is sharing is caring. So she's she wants every day she's. Got to wrap new presents for people and what can she give and she made about five thousand cookies we're going to distribute so but think about this from a kid's perspective so
0: she's going to be seven in two weeks basically Mm -hmm. and she's uh going to have constant barrage of presents because of all of her you know aunts and uncles and grandparents and you know admirers (laughs) right so so but it lasts basically two weeks i mean she goes to christmas and then it spreads into her birthday and it's ridiculous i mean that is they're piling up. We have, to, we have to fight. They are piling up. And they arrive every single day. <laughs> we have to fight to keep her not from being spoiled. But I think we've lost.
1: We have lost. It is
0: official.
1: <laughs> but it is fun too. She's calling herself Elf Zoe, so Elf Zoe, that's it's right. Pretty hilarious. And she
0: calls me Data Elf. Or yeah. no no, she calls me Elf Timothy.
1: Elf Timothy. Yeah,
0: she called me that <laughs> yesterday. Hilarious. And she calls you Elf Julie. She actually yeah. called me she called me by my uh, my whole uh, birth name actually yesterday she's too. Got the Carlton she got she yeah, she goes Elf Timothy Carlton Harris. You know, well, it's like she's, a...
1: she's doing her North Pole pretending deal. So
0: But here's here's what Julie and I do. Now this is um I don't know how this is going to go down if any of you are psych- child psychology people. Mm-hmm. So we love to play with her because she's just so much fun. She's such a delight. And one of the things we have her believing is that we're all elves.
1: Or at least part elf.
0: Part elf, yeah. Part elf or full elves. And we do this year-round. And um, it's a complete game of make-believe. She reads stories about it. She draws her, draws her elf family. And then she always will examine uh, Julie and i's ears. And she's looking for elf ears. So she's never like seen it. So she she like definitely believes it. And we keep on telling her Zoe, as you get older, when you develop more of your elf self—that's what we call it—then <laughs> you'll be able to actually start seeing other elves, and you'll see them because the, you'll be able to see their ears. You'll be able to tell their other elves, and other elves then can see that you're an elf and the whole thing. And we've actually got other people in our community that are playing along too. That um, you know, there's this gal named Nicole that. Takes care of Zoe for there's this that uh, they call it camp, but really what it is is elaborate ba- babysitting where they go and snorkeling and you know surfing and all this crazy fun stuff. But we have Zoe believing that she's a mermaid. Yes, <laughs> Nicole's mermaid a mermaid elf or Mer- Yeah, They're well, all so
1: starting to uh, collide, but yes.
0: So anyway, Julie and I got these. Um, I found on Amazon these ears. These uh, I don't know what you call them. Ears. Elf basically. ears. Yeah, they basically fit over your, the top of your ears. So um, in our house, in our villa here in Puerto Rico, uh, Zoe and Julie were just sitting having some conversation. I'm sure Zoe was arguing about wearing shoes or something. And so then I walked past them (laughs) just Casually. casually to go like get the mail or I don't remember what, but I did it such a way that I definitely was acting nonchalant and I had my elf ears on. And I caught her out of the corner of my eye, and I just caught looked through the corner of my eye long enough to see her jaw drop. She so, froze so, in place. So, right? so I just I walked into this. It was actually our foyer. I walked into our foyer or whatever they call it, in Puerto Rico. It's probably not called no, foyer. Something, something Spanish, yeah. hacienda de Welcomando or something. <laughs> so I so I walked into some much nicer word than foyer is what I'm saying. Yeah. So I walked into the foyer and uh, and you know there and I was wearing my elf ears. Just sort of walked in in front of Julie and Zoe. Didn't say a thing. Didn't even really give them a you know didn't even give them a head nod or acknowledge they're there intentionally but I walked okay. slowly enough that I knew that she was gonna see and she saw them and I I only saw a corner of my eye <laughs> but after I walked back so I walk we have to walk from the foyer that we walk through this you know a different part of the house and I go back in the back of our house where our office is and uh, then I closed my door and all I could hear was Zoe spazzing the hell out <laughs> because she finally saw Dennis Did elf you see fears. that as
1: did you see that? I really saw it. And I'm like, I don't know. So maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. <laughs> but she went And then when on. she saw you, they were gone. Yeah.
0: And then I put them away. She comes running into the office and she was like, couldn't stop staring at my ears. And <laughs> okay. she just stared and stared and stared. And then uh, like, I saw them. I I, I saw them. I really did see them. What does it mean, Dana, that I saw your elf ears? What does it mean? It's hilarious. It just, just went on and on so and on. Well, you only did that once, right?
1: Yeah, but because we'll because she's in. too
0: smart that's yeah, why i know you
1: can't do it every day or she'll sort you out
0: well then after that then we've been getting a constant barrage of her elf family with elf ears and my elf ears now have gotten a lot bigger <laughs> you know because she's got a whole thing in her head of what they're supposed to look like but it was it was amazing that was fun but one of the things we've been doing since she was born is i've got this big you know no surprise here santa suit and <laughs> and so what i'll do is i'll put on the santa suit in the middle of the night you know because you, you Best time to wake up a kid, if you want to fool them, is obviously when they're asleep. <laughs> so we get up. What time do we normally get up on Christmas morning?
1: It's, well, knowing that she's not going to go back to sleep once she's right. seen Santa. We usually are about pre-dawn. You know, yeah, like 5.36 530, 530 o'clock. six a.m. right before the sun comes up. Yeah, and then I put on the Santa suit. Yeah.
0: And then um, I'll go, you know, I'm you know, rocking the Christmas bells and this whole Santa suit. We found this on Amazon. It is <laughs> phenomenal. Awesome. The boots, the glasses, the, you know, the whole thing. Now she can't get too close when she's eyeballing me, but the gist of it is, is that um, you know Santa's going to be putting the presents under the tree, and I'm pulling the presents out of the Santa bag. Oh, she better not be listening at our door. Yeah, I'm monitoring. Okay. okay, and and I'm ringing the Christmas bells. This reason Julie and I are talking quite because she's I have a,
1: to sneak around and film all this.
0: She's a very crafty little girl, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if she's trying to eavesdrop on us. So and um, and then Julie will go to her uh, Zoe's bedroom and she'll wake her up, and so Zoe. Uh, comes out of her, you know, bedroom. She's just this little tiny thing. She's how tall is that? Like Thirty-eight inches or something? She's
1: about, I don't know, bit, your navel height.
0: Yeah, when we t- when we take her out to let's be, just
1: put it this way, the bulldog weighs more.
0: Yeah, when we take her out to uh, have her play with other kids and whatnot. The other parents think, oh, my gosh, your daughter's so smart for a four-year-old. And go, nope, she's seven. Because <laughs> <I know. laughs> she, she plays well these ones. four- and five-year-olds that are basically, the five-year-olds are starting to get taller than her. But anyway, so she is a house elf, basically. She is definitely a house elf. So we do the Santa routine, and we ring the bells and, you know, and uh, the ho-ho-ho, the whole nine yards. And then she just, likes will stare. <laughs> and uh, I've I've done this every year, and um, I'm not sure how many. I think she can remember back maybe three or four Christmases. She's like, you know, she's not even so. seven yet, and she'll just stare as I put the. Pre- and then what I'll do is I'll leave like little um, pieces of Santa hair. Oh, she's out there! I'm going to stop talking. I
1: heard, I heard a jingle bell. So,
0: the yeah. elf is on the loose. Okay. <laughs> so anyway. My favorite
1: one is when she poses as the elf on the shelf. I'll oh walk yeah. Out somewhere, and she'll just be like, she'll have climbed up somehow, and just be you know, being cute with her little legs crossed. Zoe, what are you doing? I'm the elf on the shelf. she can pull it off. Oh, anyway,
0: yeah, Christmas is Christmas wonderful. Season. And Julie and I didn't I mean we we were in our early 40s uh before Zoe came into our life. And so we had many many Christmases with no kids, and those of you with kids, you certainly appreciate it. And those of you with no kids, I appreciate the fact that you can have holidays that are a lot more relaxing without kids. <laughs> cool. We see it from both sides. Um But
1: I think we have a lot of pent-up fun. Yeah, so we're we do. Just blasting her with
0: it yeah we so, are maybe more uh, i don't funny. know she's she's outpacing us on the wanting to have fun yeah. thing by quite a quite a, sure. right we can barely keep up on most days this is true yeah so look this is the christmas season hopefully you guys are sharing with people that you love and you're in appreciation mode for if nothing else look you got through 2020 seriously you made it okay it's, <laughs> it's over it's
1: the home stretch <laughs> you, you get a
0: you not just get a merit badge but you get, I don't even know what, you get a certificate, a merit badge, and a plaque. How about that? And maybe even a trophy for having made it through 2020.
1: Yes. And I think this, is, and just to remind them, a nice celebratory way to, uh, you know, make it to the rest of the year is tomorrow. Reminder. Oh, yeah. That is the Christmas star, they're calling it, where uh, if you look, I believe it's southwest in the sky, uh, uh, right after the sunsets or within that hour after sunset, you should be able to see... A very, very rare occurrence. Last time it happened was, I think, the year 1225. And so I think that's a great way to start to ring out the year.
0: Well, so 850 years, right, Mm -hmm. is when they're suspecting it happened last. Mm -hmm. But they also, going back in history, they actually think that biblical scholars believe that it was possibly the actual star Star of Bethlehem Mm -hmm. was um, that actual, uh, you know, occurrence that we're all about to see
1: that was the one obviously longer ago before this right that was because it doesn't happen very often right and that that is uh they think the three kings had some astrological tendencies actually astronomers i read
0: about oh yeah Mm -hmm. you read the same thing Mm -hmm. they're astronomers yeah that's actually what they were
1: and they saw that in the sky and they They followed it go to bethlehem so i think it's it's pretty awesome we need more good news For the rest of 2020,
0: so. You know, it is kind of interesting. I was wondering why there's not more like Christmas. I understand why people don't say the word Christmas and Merry Christmas that we do. (laughs) So, but I am, it's curious to me why um, there is less of a celebration of the holiday in the religious sense than uh, just as basically as has it sort of become where people are just sort of celebrating downtime and, you know, giving presents and whatnot. They've sort of lost their way. And I, you know, I don't think we need to hide our fact that we're we believe in God and we believe mm-hmm. in Jesus and you know we've certainly you know I think we've used the Bible and the scripture as our our bedrock and our backbone not just for our sure. marriage but for our business and our personal yeah. life and how we conduct ourselves with everybody mm-hmm. else and I I think that's the essence of what people are missing a lot of times that they don't understand about religion. Like the, the religious act, being part of a religion or being a believer in God and the Bible as... Look, the Bible's a whole bunch of parables. They're stories, they're renditions of stories. But what they are is they give you a backbone, a set of rules to which to live your life by. And it's fascinating. Some of you guys will you know find that to be some kind of a political statement but it's really not and I'll I'll validate it this way for those of you guys who are way on the you know not believing in god side of of the uh, equation if you think in terms of of like in essence the well let me make this relevant to real estate people i was about to talk about scientists but i won't too obtuse i think mm-hmm. for our listeners So, and I'm not very good at talking about it, but I can talk about it from the real estate agent's perspective. If you look at the whole mindset movement, if you look at a lot of the mindset stuff that started way back in like the 16, 17, 1800s, all that mindset stuff was was all based on Old Testament scripture. A lot of you don't realize that. I didn't realize it until Julie and I really started researching it. We'd we'd seen little breadcrumbs. We thought, well, that sort of sounded a little bit like this that you read and, you know, this book of whomever in the Old Testament. And then when you get into it, you realize that's what a lot of the mindset stuff is. So if you're looking for the ultimate mindset motivation book, maybe look to the Bible, honestly.
1: Well, absolutely. And I think it's just the mindset stuff is kind of a modernization and a, I don't know. I mean, I think about people like Joel Osteen, who has made it so that, yes, it's religious, but it's also... Not so much that you can't well, o- look at it from like a mindset type of perspective.
0: Olstein is, is criticized for being incredibly successful because he combines exactly what you said. He combines uh, religious or, you know, essentially Christianity with mindset stuff, mm-hmm. with self-improvement stuff.
1: But I think it's so much He, my opinion because I, I like a lot of what he does is that the reason he's been so successful is that he's made it more accessible for people.
0: Well, it makes... He, you know? So the reason someone is or isn't successful is because they're delivering peop- delivering something to people that the people want, right? That's what I'm saying. Right. So if you're yeah. super incredibly successful, it's because you're helping a lot of other people. Maybe it's helping them in the literal sense, or maybe it's helping them in more of the spiritual sense. But... You know, when you see somebody like that, that's got a message like that, that resonates like that, then you have to assume he's doing more right than wrong. And that's really at the end of the day. He's being of service. He is being of service. So look, with regards to maybe if you're feeling a little lost this time of year, if you're feeling a little sad this time of year, you know, the holidays bring out all kinds of emotions because we go from having these regimented, disciplined, you know, scheduled lives. And, you know, this is an issue that any... self-employed person has. And then all of a sudden you're alone with your thoughts and sort of the emotions and thoughts and feelings that you don't necessarily deal with on a regular basis start to bubble up to the surface. And then, you know, you're around people that you sort of strategically designed your life not to be around certain family members, you know, and now all of a sudden they're right there and all those raw emotions from 20 years. Look, all this stuff is there and, uh, you know, it's And some of you, it's going to cause you not to have an ability to wind down and enjoy the holidays and be in appreciation mode. But I give you the anecdote to any sort of anxiety that you're feeling, it's just going to massive appreciation mode. And uh, again, in Julie and I's typical drilled down fashion, do it in a very simple, practical way. Just overtly show appreciation to maybe three people a day. Or maybe one person a day, whatever you have an appetite for. But start showing appreciation for people, and you can do it by, you know, texting somebody. Like I've got just, we have such wonderful listeners and podcasts I, I got probably today three really nice mm-hmm. uh, texts. I didn't read them any. I'll mm-hmm. share them with you later. But we get these this time of year. We get a lot of these. Um, it's a blessing. Oh, the
1: Christmas cards are sending. That's
0: yeah, cool. we're getting great Christmas cards and things yeah. like that. But that's what we're talking about. So if you, because here's the thing, whatever your whatever you want in life. And I know this is counterintuitive, but it's really true, especially on the emotional side of life. If you give away what you want, if you give what you want, you'll get back what you gave like 10x. So if you're not feeling appreciated, if you're not feeling loved, if you're not feeling, um, you know, all those emotions that you maybe would like to have uh, more intense in your life, you give those away and then you'll get them back. And, like I said, usually you get them back at you know three, five, ten x more than what you actually gave. And the simplest way to do it is just by writing little notes to people. And they don't have to be long soliloquies. You can just write little, Two or three line, whatnot saying I seriously appreciate. It. I got one from Chuck Williams yesterday. He just texted me and said, Tim, just reminding you that you're the man. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's that's you know, that's a real man's way of showing appreciation. How I appreciate yeah. it, you know. And then I got these other uh messages where people are sending these long messages and I appreciate those too. And we read all of them. But guys, you need to do the same thing in terms of like showing appreciation for just family members. You know, neighbors, it doesn't matter who, anybody that did anything for you, whether they intended to or not, that helped you in some way. There's so. <laughs> there's no such thing as being self-made. Yeah, you could argue that until the cows come home, and I know that's part of the sort of the, you know... That's the what, part of the American ethos, right? So he pulled, you know, they pulled themselves up from rags to riches and all that. People love those stories, but the truth is, none of us are truly self-made because we're all little bits and pieces of all the people that intentionally or unintentionally had a positive and sometimes negative influences on our lives. I mean, you might get more motivation and education from a bad experience than you did a good experience, but all those things go and to formulating the person that you've become. So it's not hard for you to find people to show appreciation to. And if you're not, if you're the one that's needing the appreciation, start by giving the appreciation and you'll get it back. Does that make sense, Julie? It
1: absolutely does. And it actually changes your outlook and your attitude and your thoughts and your feelings immediately.
0: It does. Because
1: it, if you're giving that to someone else, it's really hard for you to stay in that you know, grumble Zone, I call it, with Zoe.
0: Yeah, it's a psychological yeah. trick is really what it is. It is, is but I don't, that's
1: okay. You don't have to, you know, read a bunch of books to get there. No. You just have to get yourself in a place of gratitude, appreciation, and you can, you do have control to transform how you're feeling that day.
0: Right, and for those of you who are also maybe feeling a little bit, not, you're not feeling, um, you know, in appreciation mode, and you're not really enjoying the holidays yet, the other thing, again, aside from showing overt appreciation, would definitely be to... Purge all forms of media. Stop watching yeah. the news. Just maybe you can pull in some podcasts. That's pretty much... When was the last time you and I even? Never. I mean, when we were in a oh, hotel news. in Miami earlier this month, you and I may have yeah. s- watched some news channel. But other than that, it's no. such crap.
1: I don't even know how to find... I don't even know what the channels are anymore. Well, because we cut the cable
0: no. a long time ago. Yeah. No. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I I love podcasts because you can choose Right. what you're stuffing into your head. And you can try some things out. Maybe you have some curiosity about something. So you try three or four different podcasts until something resonates with you versus like passively turning on the TV or whatever, or even the radio. So
0: the interesting yeah. thing about podcasts too, is a lot of people, if you just broadcast during a podcast, mm-hmm. you're going to get uh, that your listeners are going to have a certain type of experience, which is more impersonal mm-hmm. and probably a little bit formulaic, a little bit fake. Whereas if you have a longer form podcast, and I've discovered this on some of the long interviews I've done. Mm-hmm. So we did, I don't know, maybe three interviews this year that lasted two hours. And another one coming up this week. I think. Well, hopefully if Gene agrees, okay. we'll <laughs> yeah, we're going to, one of our friends, one of our great friends, Gene Frederick lives here in uh, Puerto Rico and he's in just, if you want to talk about an American success story, oh my gosh. I'm so hoping he agrees to do the podcast.
1: We'll send Elf Zoe in to ask. Yeah, that's what we'll do. <laughs> we'll he can't can say no to her. Yep. Um,
0: but yeah, when I do these interviews, like uh, what was the most recent long one I did? I did one with Mike Reese. I did one with uh, – who else? There's – oh, uh, Brent Gove. Yes.
1: And Those are great.
0: It, but it's fascinating for me to watch. Some people don't like have much of an agenda. Like I thought – Um, I actually thought Brent and Mike both were very sincere. They didn't screw around with trying to basically, you know fart out their particular talking points that they're familiar with. Right. I think I could be accused of doing that. Like I'm always on my talking points from being interviewed. Right. You know,
1: I think everybody is for a while and then you kind of get going and you talk about other stuff.
0: But that's my point. If you go longer than maybe most people are conditioned to talk, which is most 15 or 20 minutes. And after that, they really run out of content. And then you start talking about real things. That's when the interview gets really interesting. I agree. I like those of us too. Yeah. So when you're looking when you're thinking about podcasts, maybe it's like uh, if you're, Hearing Julie and I say, don't watch the news and all the podcasts you're listening to are the, you know, essentially the talking heads from CNN or Fox. You're not really hearing the message here. (laughs) What we're suggesting you do is step away from the agenda driven uh, media and start looking for things that are going to enrich your mind, enrich your soul. Um and also maybe some things that will cause you to feel a little bit uncomfortable. Because remember guys, wherever you whatever you're resisting is where your growth needs to be. And this is a great time of year to sort of just rehash and hit the hard reset button and load some new software and all the other yeah. you know analogies that I could throw at you so you can conceptually understand that this is the time of year is a blessing. And the fact that we've been through this year together and we've all made it You're listening, so you technically you did make it. You might have some bumps and some bruises to show for it. You might have a few scars and sniffles, but the reality of it is you made it. Congratulations. Well, technically you have to live another two weeks, but we'll get there. there. And um, yeah, so celebrate that. Start out by showing appreciation. Start out by, you know, there it is. That's our our suggestion. And
1: some self-appreciation too. I mean, literally you made it this far through 2020 through what has to be one of the most bizarre years ever. And it's okay to say thank you past, fill in your name, for, you know, having it together. And many of you guys are, especially our real estate uh, listeners, actually had your best year ever during a pandemic. I know. So thank you past you for, you know, figuring it out, figuring it out how to do Zoom calls and how to, you know, change your technology and to deal with and to be flexible. Have you
0: thought about why so many agents had such good years? Why? Don't just, I mean, the obvious answers are housing people wanting to reinvent. I don't think that's, I think people got into fear mode. I think yeah. back, back in February, really, right. everybody was fearful because no one knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Julie and I consult with brokers and just all kinds of different business owners. And a lot of them are our friends more than they are our formal clients. And none of them knew what the hell to do. No. I mean, where we live in Puerto Rico, we're elbow to elbow with people that own small businesses. And, you know, and some of them are in the just all kinds of different industries. And none of them knew what to do. <laughs> we, and we all they all say, well, we're going to just sit tight. This is before the you know the government was going to ride in on its white horse and just basically sprinkle cash everywhere. So this is before the PPP and all these other programs that came out that really did provide a lifeline for our country in every meaningful way until the uh, economy started coming roaring back. But I think what happened was a lot of the agents for the first time in a long time were scared out of complacency. That's what that I think it was. That's what about, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell you what's more. Here's the other prevailing thought I had, and yeah. I'm, you can tell I've been thinking about it for the sake of our um,
1: predictions, podcast. right? Yeah.
0: Which we're going to hopefully do next week, um, if I'm feeling motivated. Otherwise, we're going to do it after the new year. Yeah. We'll figure <laughs> um, out that. But what yeah. I was thinking was that the. Um, you remember frugality fatigue? Yeah. Ex- explain that to our listeners.
1: Uh, during the, uh, you know, the housing crash. Housing crash recession of whatever it is now, 13 years ago, 14 years. 14. Isn't that okay. amazing? I know. Which, I mean, to me, and we were coaching during Doesn't that. Doesn't it feel like two days it ago? It feels like two and a half days ago. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I still have, yeah. yes, emotional. Well, yeah. So, when uh, so many people lost equity in their houses and then many of them lost their houses, you know, you go into this frugality. I'm not going to spend I'm going to, you know, what was it? Voluntary simplicity. I'm going to run all of my bills down. I'm going to go really cheap on everything. And that's fine. And a lot of people kind of purge some extra stuff maybe they were carrying either voluntarily or forced because they lost their job, they lost their house, their equity, everything. You know, unemployment was pretty high then. So you go into frugality, but the thing is that that's not really sustainable. Eventually you realize that, you know, you kind of like having stuff around you and you kind of like the amazing thing, forget what the statistic was, but once you've owned a home, you're not going to rent forever. You're going to go back and buy a house again. You, well, you get exhausted on your own frugality. But that's
0: exactly what it yeah. was. And um, that's the same thing. Now, so you and I have talked about this, but this is what's going to yeah. happen. Mm-hmm. This is like an easy prediction. I think so. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. There's going to be, so as this now everyone's debating what, you know, the vaccine people are now getting the vaccine treatment. Um, Did you pull up an article for us to talk about the actual vaccine? Because you actually, our doctor texted us and told, okay, I want to share with our listeners all that because Uh we need to move people away from the political... Bullshit it's actually really fascinating. About the vaccine. Yeah. But but before that, yeah. so when essentially the world has rounded the bend, it doesn't even there doesn't even have to be like a cure. Oh, no more COVID 19. No. It just essentially has to be a vast majority of the population are either had the antibodies from having had it. There's herd immunity and it um, so basically herd immunity, antibodies, same thing. So in other words, you had it or um, and you can't get it again, you can't pass it along to other people. You've developed resistance, Right. Basically. And um, or the vaccine. Okay, so when you basically have those two things that a vast majority of the population have, um, then you're going to see what we do believe is going to be an absolute renaissance. And we talked about this on our Sunday podcast for a number of shows in a row. Mm -hmm. But that renaissance, what does that actually mean?
1: Well, so it's a reinvestment, a reinsurgence of things across multiple disciplines. So you have technology, like the uh, Apple Glass that you've talked about. Yep. You have medicine. I mean, historic. speed to get a vaccine. The, the previously fastest vaccine took four years. Yep. Okay. And before that, it was even a lot longer than that. Um, science, health, medicine, in, nutrition, in technology, defense, everything. I
0: read the same article and yeah. in defense the last time it was in the 50s that they were able to deliver a vaccine and basically, right, we didn't have the technology. Sure. So but <laughs> what you're saying, and it's incredibly important, is that now people have an expectation mm-hmm. that we have the technology now to take care of health problems faster. Yes. And maybe some of the preconceived notions it's the four minute mile thing right Mm -hmm. oh there's a thing what are you i remember very clearly back in february where people were saying people all kinds of different education levels and authority levels they're all saying well it's going to take five years so we're going to be living in this dark ages for five years a lot of people were saying that yeah that was like an omnipresent headline
1: yeah we were headed for you know the The greatest
0: depression ever and all this other stuff well
1: that to your point earlier that was how everybody's feeling in february and march right now it's hit the fan we're all screwed
0: Right, and you that know. got agents off their butts and had them I go out it and start doing. It got a doing... lot of people off their butts. It did. I mean,
1: I, I'll tell you, looking around here, you know, in Puerto Rico, where we have certain things that are less convenient, the amount of small businesses that have cropped up—whether that's you know somebody delivering something for you or some other kind of service—or I mean, there's there's people in the neighborhood who have like a whole baked goods factory
0: going. But Puerto Ricans are very but, entrepreneur and absolutely. M- entrepreneurial. They, I have to having lived here now for over a yeah. year i've never been around um i mean proactive talk about don't judge a book by its cover this entire island is Mm -hmm. don't judge a book by its cover the you know people here in the news especially you're here puerto rico high poverty rates and puerto rico this and everyone's living in a mudslide surrounded by an earthquake and a tsunami look guys it's such a bunch of horseshit. it's such a bunch of politically motivated bs it's just not true puerto ricans for the most part uh, have you had one bad experience other than maybe a DMV experience not even there. Not, re- not really. They're, I mean they're not, brilliant. not
1: bad experiences. No, a little inconvenience now and then, but you know, you can get that anywhere.
0: Yeah, and you can so, trust them, you know. You, we yeah. had one person that took advantage of us for $600 on a home repair. But other than that, yeah. I mean people are very generally very, very giving, and they're like,
1: very personable and pers- very uh, forgiving language wise too. Per-
0: right. Personality wise, they actually remind uh, me they remind me of Texans.
1: Yeah, and I I think uh, generally happy uh, yeah. You know, a very jovial... I mean, there's a party for everything. Yeah, oh yeah. The holidays last like a month and a half.
0: Oh, that's right. I mean, <laughs> so. it starts at basically now, We're about well, two starts, weeks... Ag-
1: literally, I read stuff about this. It really starts the day after Halloween. Yeah. And th- that's when you start kind of your Christmas-type stuff. This is the
0: official thing in Puerto Rico.
1: Yeah, and then you have some holidays leading up into Christmas. Then you have Three Kings Day, and there's like two other feasts between... Christmas and Three Kings Day, and then there's another celebration at the end of January.
0: These people are OG getting their party on, yeah, is what I'm saying. I
1: think she doesn't go back to school till mid-January.
0: We're talking about Zoe, obviously. Yeah. But <laughs> it,
1: that's, I mean, it'll be about a month. Well, the more you pay, the less <laughs> you
0: stay, isn't <laughs> well, that the rule? That's true. Well, so, yeah. the, so what we anticipate is going to happen, and I want all of you to at least consider this, is that... Um, the emotions that will be felt and experienced by humanity, not just Americans and people in your town. Oh, wow. And you can be in a small town like where Julie and I bought our cabin this year in Murphy, North Carolina, which we adore those of you. It's so funny. we picked up all these new podcast listeners in that part of the world. We're very jealous of where all of you live. It's one of the most beautiful places on planet earth that Julie and I have ever been. It's awesome. gorgeous. The mountains of the Smoky Mountains in Appalachia are amazing. So in any event, yes, that's going to be, you're going to see a resurgence of a lot of things that take the, for example, the fact that the vaccine was created in a year and take, for example, the fact that a lot of people have been living in real fear, especially if they watch CNN, frankly, Mm -hmm. for over a year. What's going to happen on the other side of that when that pendulum swings back, when people are feeling safe to go out again, when they're feeling joyous and, you know, of life and they're realizing you only live once and you're dead a real long time. I mean, you can draw a lot of, I think summaries that there's going to be an explosion in the economy and there's going to be an explosion and just all kinds of positive things. I don't think you're going to be able to make too good of an argument for anything bad happening once there's um, a vaccine and once, you know, people basically are allowed to celebrate life and, you know, being together. And so there's I think going to be...
1: The travel industry will do. Oh, yeah. pent up demand like crazy.
0: Well, it just, it, my mind goes to actually It's not just people spending money. I mean, that's the easy button, right? Mm -hmm. But it also goes to how are they going to choose to live? That's what I find to be particularly fascinating. And because what COVID did, what this year has proven, is that people really don't like living in cities. (laughs) And uh, people would choose to live in the parts of the country where... The uh, we were uh, told were essentially flyover states. I
1: know, it's very fascinating.
0: We were told that for a, if you wanted to be prosperous in America, you had to live in one of these megatropolises, or you know, mm-hmm. Miami, New York, and da-da-da-da. Well, maybe there's a higher probability that you can definitely get a better paying job if you're in... But then the taxes and the cost of living are going to sort of negate yeah. the added income you would have made. Oh, and guess what? Now that company that you moved to Manhattan to get a job at will let you live in wherever you want murphy north carolina as long as you can get online and do zooms and so what people are doing in mass is they're migrating out and did you see an article i sent to you about the mass migration trends out of the major mm-hmm. cities yeah i don't think there was a single major city that uh-huh. showed a dollar north carolina or Raleigh, durham okay that was the only one all the others had people yeah. moving out now new york in all mm-hmm. fairness the trend was people moving out of new york prior to covid But Mm -hmm. now you're seeing it in all these major metropolitan areas, like people moving out of LA Mm -hmm. and people moving out of all these other densely populated areas. It's not because, like, it's just, it's because of lifestyle. It's because I think a lot of people are, the the political side of it is the politics and the taxes, and that's definitely part of it. But I think the real reason is, is because people want to live a different type of life. It's quality of life that
1: people all of a sudden had to come to terms with. You know, I've, I remember reading an article, one of my magazines and the editor said that she'd seen more of her home office in three months than she had in 12 years of owning the house you know, and that now she realizes all these things that she'd like to have in her office that she didn't, and that was going to cause her to move.
0: Well, think about why we moved to Puerto Rico, right? I mean, there's there's definitely diff- business and tax advantages, yeah. but we don't want to talk about that. I there's was no also point. dying of allergies, but... Okay, well, so, so I mean, our list of <laughs> reasons, but our reason of, the number one reason that we chose to move here, well, I'll have to say probably number one is your health, because mm-hmm. when we were in Texas, Julie was, I mean, how many different inhalers were you on? Right. You were on three inhalers
1: every day on a normal day, and I was on allergy shots three or four times a week and then when zoe would get a cold i would get it like 10 times as bad
0: because your immune system was so busy trying to fight off hard. the allergens and what did they what did they tell you when you had your lung uh, thing done <laughs> they
1: said you need to move
0: no what did they tell we, you they said you had 50 uh, percent lung capacity 50 percent lung capacity right
1: around like 53 percent yeah yeah so Which here's is like an emphysemic person probably
0: right because of the allergies were so bad and and then they basically would celebrate when it would get up to like 60 percent lung capacity yeah so, her, who, which well, doctor? That's
1: what you do when you go to get your allergy shots. You have to breathe into an inhaler every time so they track you. Yeah. And because they're putting an allergen in you, if it's too low, if your capacity already is diminished, then they're not going to. Oh, they're checking to that.
0: it. So, how high, yeah. what was the highest lung capacity you got up to when you were there? something Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah,
1: and I mean, and I was working out, I was trying to be on the treadmill. So. It was just a quality of life. It's not anything against Texas. I I love we've got great friends in oh, Texas yeah. and I loved our house there and yep. you know lots of really beautiful things. Our in cows
0: Texas. and our chickens. Yeah. We had cows all, and chickens.
1: <laughs> we tried being farmers for a while. We tried
0: to be Texas people. But yeah. here's the point though mm-hmm. is that you went to your uh, the
1: allergist and, 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 and she said, You need to move and I said, yep. What would you suggest? She said first you have to realize that our actual zip code was second only to a county in, in Atlanta for literally the worst pollen in the country. Right. And she said, if you can move to an island where there's breezes and there's not uh, like our kind of tree pollen that we had in in Texas, that's going to be your best bet.
0: So Julie was basically allergic to every single thing in Texas, and I was allergic to you some were of starting that. Where is that nasty tree that's everywhere in Texas? What yeah, are those things um, called?
1: That was, Elm and
0: the uh, juniper, cedar, weren't they? Cedar, cedar, fie- cedar, oh yeah, cedar
1: fever, which I thought was made up baloney until oh no, that's tough. It. it gives you headaches,
0: yeah. You guys in Texas, you know what I'm talking oh. about, and everyone walks around basically with you know, the pharmacy is sold out of any kind of decongestion, it isn't horrible,
1: yeah.
0: Um, anyway, so, lifestyle
1: is the point that when you, when you can make those decisions. Well, the number
0: one right. reason we moved here was your health, mm-hmm. and the number two was lifestyle, and number three was business reasons, yeah. But this, this. I am So, like, Julie and I have been married for 30 years this year, I know. which is amazing. We got married when we were 20 and 21. And, uh, you know, that was unusual when we got married, <laughs> and it's unusual now, more, more so now. But in that time, uh, you know, we always had this fantasy that one day, this goal, really, that one day when we basically got to the point where, we, you know, we were, our definition of rich is where your money works for you, you no longer work for your money, that we would live someplace that would be uh, no fear of winter, you know, yeah. no snow, really. that no was shoveling, real, no snow tires. No, and the average daily temperature would be, you know, above the, the rules that we set for ourselves. And this was probably, now you know, 15 years ago, was 70 degrees, you know. And so we had other particular, you know, and we just, we tried different parts of the country, but uh, Julie's allergies and other things until this last go around with her health issues in uh, Texas and the doctor saying what she did. Well, then you, we go, okay, well, where the hell can we live that's in the United States where we can, um, you know, how the was... have the benefits of the United States and at the same time be on an island. There is only one answer. It's either, well, there's two answers. It's either Hawaii or it's Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And we did check out Hawaii. We
1: did. Yeah. We had a great event there while we were there. We so. did.
0: We did. We did check out Hawaii and it wasn't for us for a variety of reasons. No, nothing against Hawaii. We love it. Though I can't, frankly, for quite forgive of Hawaii for uh, tearing down Thomas Magnum's mansion. There's that. There's that.
1: Which three people will understand better. On Oahu.
0: Okay. Yeah. Which you got, yeah, really. I can't believe yeah. they tore that down. But anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we won't talk about that. No. But yes, <laughs> Puerto Rico is the only answer. And moving here was one of the best things we've ever done. And I have to say, it's one of the, for psychologically, having come where we came from, which was less than nothing, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, in getting to where we are now and um, being able to sort of visualize these goals and these dreams they never some some of our dreams and our goals were very easily understood solid you know do this do the other thing but others of them were just sort of um shared fantasies and this was one of the biggest shared fantasies we actually made happen so mm-hmm. that's a pretty incredible I thing know. Pretty you awesome. know and we have a lot to be grateful for we do have a lot to be grateful for and i hope all of you guys feel the same thing in the same way because really guys this is you know rounding the bend this <laughs> to my point uh, that i was trying to make earlier is you really do only live once and you're dead a real long time and it's easy for you to get lost, all of us, to get lost in our thoughts and our lack of action and just kind of we get stuck in these emotional and then financial quagmires that make it so that we live these this diminished, this diminished versions of ourselves. And it's all voluntary. That's the thing. And there's nobody outside of you that's keeping you from doing the things you want to do in life. It's all basically within your control. Um Trust me when I tell you, Julie and I had no particular talents, no particular, you know, anything. We had no anything that anyone would have said when we were kids that these guys are going to get somewhere in life other than, you know, Julie was you know, predetermined to be a school teacher of some variety and I don't even know what I was predetermined to be, right? But the reality of it was is that when we were kids, we decided to set our our goals and our aspirations higher. Um, and maybe that in itself is what made us unique, but I don't think so, because I think everyone else, everyone starts out in life wanting certain things, hoping they accomplish certain things, and then after, as time passes, they sort of get, I don't know, institutionalized into a way of thinking and acting and living that they just they don't even remember what their dreams were, they don't even remember what their goals were. Yeah. And um, and sometimes that it's then itself is the, the the remembering of those things is what makes you depressed this time of year because you're benchmarking where you are to where maybe you'd originally hoped you'd be. Well, I'm here to tell you, no matter how old you are, no matter what bumps and bruises you have, you can do tremendous things with your life because of all... The winds that are going to soon be at our back and the economy and just all these other great things. Like I said, we're working on this predictions article or podcast and it's going to be something of a revelation when I finish it in that it's going to, I've been looking for any sort of news or any sort of reason to be doubtful or be pessimistic because we have to balance what we're saying because we don't just want to seem Pollyannic and I can't find any. I, you know, look, if you're in a different industry, then yeah, I no problem. Maybe if you're in housing or maybe you're, I don't know, I'm sorry, in, in restaurant, the restaurant business or if you're in some other kind of business that's going to be a long time coming before it actually makes a recovery, then maybe that's not the best future you have for the next five years. But real but estate-
1: Even then you have control of, of making some decisions and changing what you're
0: doing. Like getting a real estate control, license. For I mean, example. Yeah. I mean, if, uh, it, that's a question we get in one form yeah. or another. From young people especially Mm -hmm. and we always tell them and if you got listen listeners who are have kids that are adults tell them get real estate licenses
1: i'll tell you what our uh, our one-on-one our elite coaching clients that have kids in their 20s and in early 30s i i if i go down our list all of their kids are getting licensed or already have gotten licensed some of them because they want to join their parents in the career some of them because they want it as a backup and they see that you know maybe what they were pursuing is maybe not going to be as lucrative as they wanted it to be lots of different reasons A couple of them just because their friends are starting to buy houses and they want to make some referral fees. So you have options is the point. Make some decisions.
0: uh, Let's go back and let's talk about why everyone should get the COVID vaccine because you and I were joking on the podcast that we're going to take it. We're just not going to be the first one online. Right. Well, why don't you read them with the doctors? Didn't you send Um, that to you in a text? If you don't mind me. Is the article the same information? It's It's just longer-winded though, right? Uh,
1: That's the first one here. Okay. Okay. So I think this is really interesting because uh, it's a little bit different than how we grew up to think vaccines were.
0: You know what, why don't you go, you I'm, know where I'm your phone to, is? Yeah, yeah go get your phone because I'm, I'm looking at this article I'm right and I'm like tripping over every seventh word. Well, I think it's an FDA article. Is what uh, CDC, exactly. And our doctor sent us a really uh, succinct, easy to understand definite or, you know, reason why we should get the COVID vaccine when it's available. And it's available, um, going to be available through, I think it's uh, five or six different sources. So it's not going to take till the end of next summer for people to get the vaccine. You're going to have access to it quicker uh, than you otherwise would have. In certain countries, like we had lunch yesterday with a friend of us ours here and he travels to Asia quite frequently and he said most Asian countries aren't going to let you go to their country. <laughs> Did the house elf want to the be elf on? The elf got me. The elf <laughs> got you. You got attacked by the elf. Uh, but, but the uh, yeah, he's not going to be allowed into the countries unless he has the vaccine. So... You, you know, for a weird <laughs> weird amount of time, there's going to be a bifurcation those with vaccine and those without. But um, so, Julie, yes. th- this is a text from you can from share his doctor, name.
1: Uh, Dr. Javier Torres Marine here and, in Puerto Rico. And Dorado.
0: So, if you are in Dorado, as we're picking up more and more listeners in Puerto Rico, he is a fantastic doctor and he's a. He takes great care of us. And he's a mobile doctor. He yes, comes to us. a
1: mobile concierge doctor. He has taken care of Zoe with many bouts of his yes. throat and uh, also has administered. I think we've been COVID tested like five times. Before. Well, every time we come back. Every time we come back. Okay, so we trust him is the point. And that's why I ask him stuff like this, okay? And I, I actually have read this two or three times trying to understand it. There's Before I read this, there's a difference in this vaccine. You notice it's called an mRNA vaccine. That's different. And when I read this, you'll see why. Okay, so I asked him... When you have a second, what, what's your opinion on the vaccine? Take or wait? Timing for normal people? Are you getting one? Figure if he's getting one. You know, it's kind of an endorsement. Um, he says, totally for it. An mRNA vaccine doesn't actually contain the virus. How many people believe that that's, you're shooting well, the, yourself The, the virus? flu
0: shot does. Right. It's right. not
1: an mRNA vaccine. So
0: when you have I, the flu, but is there, so there are two different, are there different varieties of vaccine for COVID?
1: Um, this is, well, let me do the mRNA Deal. It's a different type of vaccine is the, is the point. And it's actually, when I read this and when I maybe read some of that article, it, it is, it's like crazy science what how this thing works, okay? Uh, he says, an mRNA vaccine doesn't actually contain the virus. It's like your body's immune system receives a message via the mRNA vaccine, like in the missing in action movies that shows the super secret genetic material of what the virus looks like. And here's the crazy thing, okay? And I When I read this, I actually researched what he said because it just sounded so bonkers to me. Okay, so uh, super secret um, genetic material of what the virus looks like and the instructions on how to make the special protein that looks exactly like the virus's proteins. These mRNA messages will actually self-destroy in 10 days.
0: That's what's crazy. Okay,
1: your body will then make an army of antibodies that will be ready to destroy the proteins carried on the surface of the COVID-19 virus if the virus ever even tries to attack your immune system.
0: So the bottom line was, right. is that your body is tricked into thinking that it has COVID.
1: The, no, well, not even that. It, it's, it is, uh, it's told the instructions to create uh, but basically, it artificially creates antibodies.
0: Oh, so I get okay? it. Okay,
1: because like if you have the virus, then you you get antibodies because you fought it. Right. So this. But simulates you have to protein, fight it first. Yeah, but so this simulates that, and trips your immune system into have into basically having an army being ready, if the virus tries to get you. That's awesome. And uh, the the thing that the vaccine has is instructions on how to make that, um, on your own. Versus waiting till you get it and making those antibodies. It's crazy.
0: It is crazy. But it's
1: not the actual virus being shot into you.
0: So when did he, when Marin say that the vaccine would be available to uh, normal folk like us?
1: Uh, He didn't answer me on that yet. But he said his nurse already did it and he's getting it in the next week or so.
0: Okay. Well, here's what you should do. He's getting it in the next week or so. you got to hold the mic close to your head. So so when he... Here's what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. Let's say he gets it next Wednesday. Yeah. I want you to wait approximately a week to ten days, and then <laughs> see how he's feeling. And then ask. Well, <laughs> I so know. I know how's it going. Human guinea pig. <laughs> I know.
1: Well, that that is part of my plan. But um, so it you know, and and so now, of course, people are trying to make it political, right? So who should get it first, and how are they going to figure that out? There is an interesting thing that's being uh, floated around though, since since you know, there's X number of vaccines made, and then. You have to get it two weeks later, you get the rest of the vaccine or a secondary vaccine. So there's, you you know, they're looking at the numbers that they have and who should get it first as it gets manufactured. So uh, people have said, well, why aren't we testing to see if you already have the the Hmm. antibodies so that you don't even need a vaccine and somebody else can have it? That makes sense to me. The rest of it is becoming a little bit more politicized. But I think as they make more and more vaccines, that'll dry up that, you know will get a little less crazy. But I thought it was interesting because I, I thought for months, why would I risk putting the vaccine into me? Or right. You're putting the, uh, the virus into me, but that's not what you're doing.
0: Right. Well, again, interesting. politicized, ignoramuses, and the rest of it. Well,
1: sure. And people are posting all over social media. Oh, I would never do that. Why would I risk this and that? And it, the other thing that the CDC said is that uh, people falsely believe that that will get into your DNA and mess with your DNA and change you know, what you've already got in you. And it, it absolutely doesn't come anywhere near your DNA.
0: You know, you and I had that conversation earlier this year. It is kind of funny how mm-hmm. like people don't realize that we're all genetically modified, <laughs> well, right? Yeah. I mean,
1: I th- we were talking about my allergies, right? So I was trying to boost my allergy immunity by putting something that I was clearly allergic to into my body and it was starting to work. But, you know, what did I see? Somebody said, um, Oh, so you're worried about what's making up the vaccine and you've been eating ho-hos and hot dogs your whole life? Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, if you're willing to eat that, then why are you so wound up about this? Right. Because it's political.
0: It's political. That's why. Exactly. It's political. And I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't even want to talk about it.
1: Well, and people are ignorant of that if you haven't studied it. That's why I go to places like the CDC to look up what the skinny actually is and why I ask an actual doctor instead of, you know, speculation.
0: Or somebody who placed their... Plays a doctor <laughs> exactly on TV.
1: Even worse. So yeah. I, in our collection of things, too. Are we moving to your weird about,
0: stories? I like this one. Okay, there's yeah. two stories you okay. picked out, which are hilarious. All right.
1: <laughs> we don't have to do all of but these. Actually, I have so afraid, a question. I have a question but, for you. Yeah.
0: And because you are, we we are just talking about something that I know is going to get some people, you know, thinking. Just the emotional reactions from talking about the vaccine have it, and for some people, a bizarre, politicized like nonsensical, emotional reaction that has nothing to do with logic, right? Right. And I was thinking as you were talking, I I can just hear the fingers on the keyboards. uh, You know, I love Tim and Julie. They're great to listen to until Julie started talking about the vaccine. Right. (laughs) She must be a forever Trumper. Right. You know, or whatever. You know, it is funny how some people just dig their heels in it. But as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, this the reaction that we'll inevitably get from some people, fringe folks, from mm-hmm. talking about what you just said, which I can't imagine anyone would react negatively, but I already know they will. Yep. is similar to the manner of how some people react when we talk about EXP royalty.
1: I know. Like, they, they just get, like, this reaction. You right. Know, like, they've, they've been hit by a stun gun of something they must react
0: to. So, look, I want to talk about this because <laughs> I, I can't sort this out in my head. Yeah. And I think I can't sort it out in my head because, I mean, I honestly, I don't understand it. Why is... A choice of a real estate brokerage for so many people, almost people, it, they're like zealots. It's almost like who, for some people, not for a lot, but for the vocal minority, the idea of us talking about a brokerage is similar to us saying bad things about their religion. Right, right. So it's almost like some of these the belief structures that would have been maybe you know focused towards religion you know fifty years like ago, twenty years ago. Somehow. Right, somehow like so when we yeah. start suggesting to you guys that you start looking at EXP Realty for all just every possible benefit you can imagine, uh, some of you guys get so mad at us, and I don't understand why. Help me understand I why. I exactly
1: why because they don't know what they're mad about. Yeah, they don't know what they're mad about. They don't know what the model is. They haven't done any research. Um, they. They don't stop. Then this is something that bothers me in, in general General about how society is right now, is that instead of asking, oh, this is interesting. Why would Tim and Julie want to talk about EXP? Why? I mean, they're licensed, right? Why would they put their license but the, b- Instead of asking the question, they assume... That there's like some other agenda there or that, you know, we're just attacking your decision to be with whatever broker. But
0: level off. Yeah. I, I want to drill down even more because I okay. really want to understand this mm-hmm. and I really don't understand this. Right. Why would people be offended that we're talking about eXp Realty? Not Not the why. Maybe the better question is the who. Who are the types of people that are offended when we talk about eXp Realty? And the only answer I come up with, and you tell me whether you think I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. You don't have to agree with me, just because okay, right. it's Christmas and you're trying to be mm-hmm. nice, okay? Yeah. Don't. If you disagree, say all you right. disagree, please. Yeah. Sure. I think the people that are offended by eXp Realty are the ones that perceive that if people hear the message about eXp Realty, they're going to lose. So I think the people that are maybe um, talking about, talking basically criticize us for talking about eXp Realty. Mm-hmm are the ones who perceive that if people listen to what we're saying, because they know we have a gazillions of people that listen to us, mm-hmm. that our influence is going to cause them some kind of financial discomfort. I think at the core root of it, there's their fear of loss. That's what it I have be. to think. And and I, I was yeah. I, I was watching a video with Brent Gove uh-huh. and it was really actually interesting. Brent was talking in front of his his team of 50 people or whatever, and he was talking about, um, <laughs> he was talking about, like he, he was with Coldwell Banker, and then I think he was with... I think he was with Remax for a Remax, while. Remax, I don't remember. Anyway, he's talking about all, he's, you know... And
1: KW too, I think. I don't know, I don't know. know. He's, he's been with several brokers. Yeah,
0: Yeah. anyway, so he's, he's been like a, you know, successful, one of the, and West Coast, certainly, Sacramento area, top agent. I did this interview with him on the podcast. You guys should go and listen to it. But it was so funny when he was talking, and I know he knows he was being full, but I love the way he said it. He said... He said, I, for my brokerage prior to eXp, was a cow. <laughs> that's what he said. Mm-hmm. He said he was a cow. Mm-hmm. And every day they would say, good cow, I'm going to take another couple gallons of milk from you. Yeah. Good cow. Here's some more hay. Good right. cow. <laughs> Keep it. Right? So the cow was just yeah. there to basically be milked. And that's I thought that was actually kind of a funny way of thinking about it. And so when you and I talk on our podcast and we talk mm-hmm. in our book about agents becoming wise to the way that the industry has tried it is essentially designed to manipulate agents not to think about their own financial best interests for the sake of the brokerages and the mm-hmm. industry itself yeah that's i think what pisses people off
1: yeah i think it's because not a minority of
0: people small you know, handful of people i mean but the they're that actually
1: understand it don't get pissed
0: no. <laughs> but,
1: but but yeah, I think you're right and it's because there's been so long of believing in one specific model that it's the only model and that's just how it's done and you you have these three things to make a decision about a brokerage and that's it, you decide. Right. Versus understanding that there is a new way of going about business that is much 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 like staggeringly more agent specific. You know, that, that really is, I, and I know that sounds trite. Oh, you know, the brokerage is all about the agents. Well, th- what does that even mean?
0: Well, right? let's talk about that. And I'm not, I don't want to get pitchy about EXP. No. I just, I'm trying to understand the psychology sure. truthfully. Mm-hmm. So the thing that fascinates me is that what you just said is so true. Every time the, you ever heard the words agent-centric, and we've, we, you know, we've even used those words before. Um, but when you hear brokerages just say agent-centric, you got to ask yourself, well, what does that mean exactly? What does mm-hmm. agent-centric mean? And so the definition of agent-centric for the longest time may have been, you know, we're going to support you, whatever that means. We're going to have office parties. We're going to have barbecues. We're going to give you awards and plaques. In other words, as Brent said, you're going to continue to be the cow and we're going to give you hay when you're hungry. Yeah. That's in essence what... But what EXP did and the genius of what Glenn thought of was making it so... Well. I, my mind, I can't believe how simple and magical of a sort of an original, you know, founder story that Glenn's story is. When he talked about the fact that, it, and this was on YouTube someplace, he was on a stage. He said, "There's, you know, I realize that most realtors will never save money, uh, never be able to retire." And he said, "If I could create a system that basically made realtors financially well off, if not in many cases very wealthy, despite themselves." then I've created something magical.
1: That's the core of it, isn't that it? That is the
0: core of it. Mm-hmm. And so what he did, guys, you make, you know, obviously the commission split conversation, that's frankly that's on the side. For most of you the XP commission split is going to be ad, is, is going to be beneficial to whatever you're paying now. But don't stop there, because that's not even that's the not
1: most... That's not the only question, and it even, it's shouldn't not even, even be your important. leading question.
0: It shouldn't. That's not even the most important question. No. Because for the most part, most brokerages are going to be at some iteration of 80, 20, 70, 30. I mean, you have some ones that are you know old school brokerages that are less than that, commercial brokerages, you guys... You know, listeners, did you know there's an EXP commercial where your cap is, I think it's $18,000 a year or $20,000 a year, and after that, you're 100%, so you're paying your 20 grand commercial agents, commercial brokers, and after that, you're 100%, are you listening?
1: As in, no split.
0: As in, no split. I know that's completely bizarre for the commercial industry, but Mm -hmm. there it is, and there's a lot of commercial people that are waking up to that. Well, like, so the commission split thing, let's just assume that for the most part, eXp is at least competitive with your best commission opportunities, but for the most part, probably is going to save, or is going to put a lot more money in your pocket every year. And let's not even talk about technology. So, you know, that, let's just move those things aside. The thing that most people, I think you have to have a certain level of business maturity to really appreciate the true advantages Mm -hmm. of eXp. You can tell stories and whatnot. And, but this is what this past two years involvement since, you Mm -hmm. know, you moved your license to eXp and seeing how, like, when we moved, when we were started with EXP in uh, January of 2019, mm-hmm. uh, the stock I only remember what it was trading for five or six bucks a it share. It was so
1: low you didn't really even pay that much You didn't even talk guys. about
0: it. People, and now it's trading in the 70s, two years yeah. later. And, I don't, I was trying to add up and I don't want to really say a number because people will think I'm exaggerating, but I know uh, dozens of people who have become at least single digit millionaires Mm -hmm. because they've held, because they've gotten EXP stock over the last just, you know, three, four, five years. Mm -hmm. We know some people who have become very rich off EXP stock. But here's the thing. You get uh, EXP stock awards in essence. I'm not sure if that's the legal term. But just for doing transactions, just for doing what you're already doing, eXp shares the, uh, you become an owner in the company just by doing transactions. Quite literally.
1: And you're talking about when you say awarded shares, this means you did not write a check, you did not... Transfer money for those right. shares. It didn't come out of your pocket.
0: And this, so this is the conversation. I Like been... this
1: is where most people have no idea what we're even talking
0: about. Right oh, now. I know, I know. So I think that's part of the problem because EXP is publicly traded. The ticker symbol is EXPI. Drop that into Google and read uh, all these, you know, business stock analysis guys ranting and raving how everyone should be buying EXP. I mean, that's in essence what's going on right now. Um, but what this company has quickly becoming, and this is the thing I've never been. The only thing I can. Um, sort of emotionally attached this to is the success the success we've had in our own coaching business. And frankly, in our when we sold real estate, you and mm-hmm. I went from zero to selling hundred houses in yeah, basically one true. year. So we've experienced things that were would have been perceived as being monumental before in terms of levels of success. But mm-hmm. nothing like this. Nothing like this. Nothing. Mm-hmm. There's I've never been around a group of people and a brokerage and a business that were not just growing really quick, but the people are uh, I don't even know how to describe it. Like Dave Kennard, the president of the company. When I talk to Dave Knord, um he is so locked in, engaged, so focused on helping, you know, and and then we talked to, you know, I talked to Glenn Sanford, I talked to Gene Frederick, I talked to all these other people. It's not like you're talking to these people who frankly are becoming very wealthy from the stock. You're talking to normal people and we're all on a mission together. So that startup Fever or They're that
1: exuberant sti- about the company.
0: They're exuberant about helping other people yes. become successful in the company.
1: And as agents discover what that's like, it's a true they, partnership. They really, you know, everybody is like that. I've never experienced that in any other brokerage or or anything where everyone was working together on something that's see. that's I mean, a, it's hard to even explain it
0: i couldn't even understand it until yeah. you and i originally went to that event in 18 i agree uh yeah 2018 uh in san antonio yeah i never experienced anything like that you walk into this room and there well, was we
1: were both skeptical up to that point totally
0: we didn't we weren't we're like, sold yeah, on exp right, at whatever,
1: all right well this is back when everyone
0: was, this was back when everyone was saying what's exp now mm-hmm. nobody says that anymore yeah. But so we walked into this room and we were just elbow to elbow. How many people were there? hundred? wasn't that big. No,
1: maybe hundred, 150.
0: Yeah. And all of them were, it was a different vibe. It wasn't the, you know, competitive, there was competition, of course, but it wasn't the sort of me versus you. And, you know, Pete. everyone was very collaborative, very, because they were all owners in the company. Because they're all pulling towards the same goal. Yeah. Because for the first time in their lives, maybe they're you know a lot of them didn't even ever see themselves as being shareholders and being um, equity holders in and a company that's no, it
1: literally is life changing.
0: It is life changing, but it, it's it's changing their lives. And this was Glenn's uh, you know mission, which I love. It, was, it changes their lives for the better, despite their mental or emotional acumen. would have gotten there on their own, right? Right. So they could have had sloppy finances. They could have had, you know, everything. But if they just participate in EXP, the, you know, all ships are rising with the share value and there's so many people that are for the first time in their lives listening right now, you, a lot of you guys are XP agents who are going to have financial security that you frankly, and I know this from coaching agents forever, would never have been able to accomplish in your life.
1: In, sp- in spite of your best intentions and efforts, you know, right. I mean, the, the cool thing about the stock award system is that it, to your earlier point, it doesn't rely on an agent saying, you know what, I'm going to be super disciplined and I'm going to invest this much every month. It is done for you,
0: but you can do that. <laughs>
1: you can, and you can buy and the you can share at a discount.
0: Right, you can buy the shares yeah. at a discount through your when you do a transaction. But look, that's just one thing.
1: It, but my point in saying that is that it's almost like the company kind of has your back on your investing. Truly, DIY, you know, and no other company does that.
0: Well, when people ask us, like, um, you know, we get the question all the time, what do we do? And we always tell them which, what we are, basically, depending who is, who's asking. We'll say, sure. you know, we're real estate business coaches or whatever. But really what Julie and I become are asset managers of our different assets. But it's, it's fun. Occasionally, I'll say, well, we're, we're um, um, partial owners of VXP Realty, because we are. And you can be, too. And that's exciting. You know, we're partners in the company, just like all of you guys can be. But here's the real story that I love to share. Um, And this is something, again, uh, I could only tell other people's stories two years ago, but now I can relate our own experiences with um, a lot of the people that we've helped join EXP. You will, your life will change. Like on our, um, Julie and I do a weekly call, or I do a weekly call for our revenue share group called Libertas. And on the Thursday call of last week, I explained to them um, the concept of revenue share, but I didn't use numbers. I used essentially an analogy. And here, is it, here it is. In your mind, listeners, I want you to... Now, some of you right now are saying, damn it, they're talking about eXp royalty. Well, the message isn't for you. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. But for the rest of you, draw... And you can do this in your head. Draw a ladder. And, and you know, ladder has lots of rungs. And this ladder, by the way, it, it goes to up into the sky and you can't see where it actually goes so don't think six foot or eight foot or whatever think this ladder that has no limits to the height that it has and I want you to, in your mind, start labeling each of those rungs on the ladder a financial burden that you'd love to have removed from your life. And on our, this uh, coaching session we did, this mastermind for our group, I suggested, and I had all of them write down what their absolute core living expenses are, very similar to the real estate treasure map. So they would write down their house payment, their car payment, their you know food, their water, their electric, their health insurance, that type of thing. Write all these things down. And each of those numbers represented a, a rung on the ladder. And, you know, we, and the way you decide which run comes first is whichever one you'd feel the best about not having to worry about anymore. So for most people is their house payment. And so I asked, you know, just random people on this zoom, I said, well, what, what's your house payment? You know, you heard everywhere from, you know, $12,000 a month. And, you know, if you're in LA or whatever, that's normal. Or, you know, some people are like 1500 bucks a month, 2500 bucks. Okay. So that's your first goal. And then, uh, I asked them all this question. questions. What would it feel like, you know, Bob, not to have to worry about the house payment anymore? What if the house payment was completely taken care of um, by revenue share every single month, and you never had to actually think about the house payment again? So twenty five hundred dollars a month comes in automatically, just almost like magic, you know. But
1: also for the rest of your life. Right? For the rest of not your just life, this month. Well, for the right. yeah. I mean, basically.
0: Right, and and then and what if that number then, with you doing a you know simple maybe spending an hour or two or three a week, that number then could grow to the point where it actually helped you climb the first ten runs. So all your personal expenses were covered. Then we went through, you know, I went through personal expenses and then we talked about the so the must pay fors, the wanna pay fors, and then we moved up the run to debt retirement to da da, da da and every one of those people participating It was very easy for them to think about all the financial burdens that they have. But when we got up about six or seven rungs on this emotional ladder, is really what maybe I should have called it, then I asked them, and this is the hard thing to do, and I understand why this is hard. And I'll ask Julie, sort of reeling you back in with Mm -hmm. me on this. What does it feel like, um, and this is listeners, what I want you to have this, give yourself this moment of zen, okay? What would it feel like not to have to worry about money anymore? What would it feel like, and I mean that in the literal sense, was your was your reaction when i said that negative okay if it was then you got to really be dealing with whatever that was that where your initial reaction was skepticism because that's what's going to keep you poor that's what's going to keep you in a transactional lifestyle just allow yourself one tiny little moment and i want you to ask yourself emotionally what would it feel like if every single morning you woke up and you had enough money coming in that you never had to think about paying your bills again for the rest of your life
1: yeah it's libertas it's freedom. Freedom.
0: Yeah. So libertas is Latin for freedom. But what was that, what does that feel like emotionally? What does it feel like just to have that first rung covered? Maybe you want your first rung to be your car payment. That's fine. Let's say your car payment's 400 bucks. You get revenue share coming in it covers that. Then you get revenue share coming covering in. You know, you guys get the analogy here. You get you understand. But what I want you to attach yourselves to is the emotional relief that you would feel not having to ever worry about paying your bills again cuz your bills were paid off revenue share just give yourself a moment to think about that. What does that feel like? Now, here's the funny, I always, you know, people, once they allow themselves the joy of experiencing that, even if it's just for a moment, right? Once you've experienced that emotion of knowing what a burden um, all of us face, essentially, we're all sort of born in this life and have to, you know, amongst, you know, the masses of us, we all have to make our own way. And you're always like, Julie and I used to joke, what would happen to, if everyone was born with enough money to basically pay all their bills for the rest of their life, what would happen to society? I'll give the answer, not a damn thing. If people had enough money all the time, they didn't have to actually stress and strain, and they didn't have to improve, nothing that would get created. Yep. <laughs> people would find other diversions it, it would mo- be mostly negative. Mm-hmm. Um, so having to earn money and having to be of service to people actually helps people to improve and helps society to improve. And obviously there's some you know bumps in the road but in essence that's an it's sort of a magical almost mystical thing that exists that we're all born with nothing and we have to basically make our own way and in doing so we have to you know improve ourselves and improve the people and the environments around us you know it's kind of a neat thing but yeah what if you're ready to get to the point where you have enough money coming in passively you don't want to have to worry about money again and what happens if that money then starts to come in then what happens is everything in your life changes and it isn't that you just decide just to become a bridge troll or live under your staircase, you then will start feeling free. And then your mind... Right. How much of a, I don't, almost like a, I don't know, what do you want to call it, Julie? An 800-pound gorilla is the obligation to actually you know meet all your financial needs. It just becomes normal and natural that you're expecting your life is always going to be like that.
1: Yeah, you come to accept it.
0: Right. And what if it's not there anymore? So you can't even understand or relate to the, you, like, there's no, I'm asking you to feel an emotion that you can't conjure up. Right. Because you never because actually have no
1: familiarity with it. Right. Maybe when you,
0: you were a little kid, like Zoe's age. Right. Yeah. You know, we it's just about playing. Yeah. But what happens as an adult, when people get there, they don't stop working. They start working in different ways and different levels.
1: Well, see, this is this brings up uh, my memory of that event in Texas in 2018 is seeing agent after agent doing their 10 or 15 minute talk about exactly what you just said, that they had achieved that. And how unbelievably life changing that was. And this was not like, you know, I've got 50 grand a month, 100 grand a month coming in. This was like for most of them, you know, they, they were all different levels, but for many of them, it was the equivalent of one deal. Yeah. You, you I'd know, say. consistently more than what they had been doing per month. And we know from coaching agents for all of eternity, that um, most agents that survive more than 12 or 18 months figure out how to cover their basic overhead. And that's it. And that's it. And this is why they don't save. It's why they get behind on taxes. It's because they've basically figured out how to pay excuse me, how to pay for their basic monthly overhead, right? So just
0: take a pause there because it's a point worth making. So if you're wondering why your business isn't going forward and why you're essentially making the same amount of money every year, it's because you are essentially working to the exact amount of money you need to pay your bills plus a little bit. But what you're not taking into account is everything around you is getting more expensive. So you've conditioned yourself to basically do two transactions per month or one transaction or whatever the hell the number is to make it so that you keep what you have, right? Because there's a, it's a psychological fact that You're more motivated by the fear of loss than you are uh, motivated by gaining something. So all of us are gonna be more motivated by earning enough money that we can keep our houses and our cars and our cell phones, right? So what happens is you then condition yourself just to earn that amount of money plus a little bit. And that's if you even make it past the first 18 months in real estate. So if you're wondering how you go to the next level, the way you go to the next level financially and personally, there's a lot of things we teach you in coaching. But the primary thing is, is get something external to your own efforts to cover your own personal bills and then still work, still sell real estate. But then with the money that you're making from selling real estate, you can, of course, have fun. You know, you can, of course, then start spoiling your family and yourself more. You can start doing different things with your life. Uh, But the reality of it is, how else are you going to do it if it isn't for the blessings that basically has, as you know, EXP Realty has become, you know, what is it now? Over 40,000 agents. I know, it's amazing. You know, I was looking at statistics. Did I tell you this? Mm -hmm. EXP went, when we started EXP, I think, oh gosh, I wish I remember these numbers. I think last year I do remember it was like twenty-three or twenty-four thousand agents rolling into this year. Mm-hmm. Now it's over forty thousand. Mm-hmm. Now and uh, next year the projections are for over a hundred thousand. But you're for thinking, sure. well, that's a huge number. Well, the biggest brokerage in the history of brokerages at its peak mm-hmm. was KW at one hundred and sixty thousand. Mm-hmm. So EXP Realty could hypothetically surpass, could do what uh, KW took thirty years to do, and they'll have done it effectively within probably maybe eight. Mm-hmm. And why? It's not. It's why I mean, the EXP is not even a consumer brand, right? Consumers don't know what EXP Realty is. They're not spending any money on developing brand awareness. You know, there's no red, white, and blue uh, balloons flying over your local uh, parades. Then they're not going to either. The reason that EXP Realty is the game changer for this industry is because of what they do for agents because they're actually sharing revenue. They're making it so agents can do what they normally do, which is selling real estate, and then they get the stock, and then they get the revenue share, and we're not even touching on all the other advantages of being with the company. So you can actually build wealth, have retirement, have passive income, have equity in an incredible company, and you don't really have to change what you're already doing, assuming you're moderately successful. No,
1: you have to put your license somewhere. We're not asking you to change everything right. that you do. You're still going to do your deals. You're still going to you know, figure out your numbers. You're still going to probably be in coaching. You're going to do all the things you normally do. You're just going to have a lot more benefits as a result because the difference with the XP is it reinvests in the agents.
0: Well, they're giving the money back to the agency. Agents can essentially have, have financial ownership. security and wealth. I know. Yes,
1: and and back to what we were talking about, where you have your uh your you know your living expenses covered. What that does is it doesn't just buy you uh, financial freedom. It's amazing what I've seen with the mental, spiritual, and business freedom yep. that comes.
0: Well, next. health too, really, and family. Yeah. If you, th- that's really an incredible. I mean, point.
1: I I love hearing agents say. One of my, uh, our coaching clients was like you're not going to believe what I'm giving my husband for Christmas. And I'm like, do tell. And she, she I can't remember, some really fancy big truck. And she goes, <laughs> and I paid cash for it. <laughs> you know, and it was like <laughs> thrilling. It was amazing. Like it's probably three years ago, she wouldn't have even imagined doing that. Yeah. So, and some of the other, you know, the other fun one is the first time they see their revenue share and they're like, where'd that come from? I know. Or And, the, and then they realize they're also going to get it next month and the month right, after that. Exactly. That's awesome. I and mean, it, and it's it almost always goes
0: up every month. Yeah. But the, Super the, cool. the thing I like doing too is mm-hmm. not only that, is I like to show them how to log into enterprise and then mm-hmm. how to actually look up to see how much equity they have in the company. It's amazing. I, I've done that yeah. dozens of times because yeah. people, agents, don't think, like, oh, don't I only think to look for it. I sold 20 houses this year. and I said, well, did you see what your equity in the company was? What do you mean? Well, they've been giving you, you know, $400 of the VXPI stock for, you know, what these normal and and you know, you were in the you were buying stock at a discount the program you signed. And then you log them in and you see how much money it is. Okay, now take that and multiply that times today's close price and they're like, "What?" <laughs> I know. It's awesome. I had somebody uh, on that Zoom actually yeah. I had people starting to post up what their uh, equity in the company yep. was and a lot of these people had like 50, 60,000 but there were quite a few that had hundreds of thousands like yeah. some of our icon agents that basically they get mm-hmm. their cap back in the form of EXPI stock mm-hmm. and if they've been in EXP for uh, two years because they joined when we joined and mm-hmm. and and that and they were able to buy that stock originally at like $8, $7 now That's it's in crazy. the 70s and they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. in EXPI stock That's awesome. now see like Like somebody listening right now, Tim, it's an MLM. Tim, it's this, the other thing. Look, whatever. But did I mention the fact that it's going to pay you multiple different ways and this is going to create alternative financial paths for you forward? Of
1: the work you're already
0: doing? So why are you offended? Honestly, the handful of you, uh, you know what the rest of you are thinking. Tim, shut up and stop worrying about what the minority are saying. And I will. And I am. Okay. And I heard what you said. So I'll stop talking about the minority. But I do feel sorry for them, truthfully. They'll come around. Right. When but- they
1: when they have a personal connection, maybe because they talk to you or they talk to me or, mm-hmm. you know, some of our uh, coaching clients, and they they feel more personally connected to it. Maybe it's because they actually take the time to research what we're talking about is absolutely one hundred percent correct, honest, and yeah, and based on what you're already doing in life. And you know, the thing that I have to emphasize too is that you know the the agents that we know, whether they're coaching clients or just colleagues of ours. That have done that the freedom part, you know, it didn't take them forever. This is not like you have no. to go and oh, you'll never make it there unless you recruit five hundred agents. Why well, I'm not how, a But how else
0: are you going to do it, listeners? How seriously are you going to do it through rental properties? I mean, yeah. trust me, Julie and I don't have even dozens get that me we have dozens but, of those damn things. And and I, if we had all do over again, I I, I still yeah. wrestle with this honestly. I don't think we would. Buy any I rental know properties
1: because I dealt with two <laughs> Julie, flooded basements last week.
0: <laughs> yeah, Julie's the property manager on a handful of them. Yeah, yeah but they're no. you know, and it it's money jail I, too. I mean,
1: in comparison, it, it doesn't even. Compare.
0: But back when we were kids,
1: but there was no opportunity like
0: that. for Right, that was it. The path no. forward was basically buying rental properties, yeah, that's and holding I mean. them, having them paid off, and then basically living off the cash flow. Well, we okay. did that by the time we were in our yeah. early forties. But the, that whole investment thesis sucks.
1: It takes too long. It it's not. It's but not it's, passive. It's
0: it's not passive, but it's yeah. more than that. The property taxes are going up. Yeah. You know, your ability to manage your own property, to, if your property happens to be in some area where now you're not allowed to, you know, there's eviction moratoriums for whatever reason. Well, then you can't even manage your own property in the sense of managing its cash flow. Lots
1: of baggage. Lots there's of baggage.
0: lots of baggage. And yeah. and like, and even in, we have properties in Texas, in Texas, property taxes are definitely going to go up. You guys think yeah. all these little cities and states, they don't have the Fed. They don't have their local, you know, printing press. They can't just produce more money. They're going to raise property taxes. It's going to mm-hmm. happen. Um in California and all these other areas, it's like, oh my gosh, so that out goes the window out goes the window of the thesis yeah uh, you so for us to have so right now in all reality for us to basically like you have to have thirty, 40, maybe like right in there rental properties t- because you're never gonna have some of them like I'll break the numbers down for you guys so you we Julie and I are preaching to the choir here, but I want to explain it. so if you have 30 rental properties and let's say the rental properties are all paid off. And let's say each of these rental properties was are, are worth what do you let's pick a number, Julie? One seventy-five.
1: Mm, I'd say two hundred. No. That's okay, so that's market. that's
0: six million dollars in real estate. Right. So right there, for you to have six million dollars to buy all these properties. Um, many of you will never be able to do it because you're on you're never gonna have that much money you're gonna basically have to you know come up with a down payment you're gonna hope and pray that basically after your expenses you're gonna break even on the payment and then you're gonna have some sort of long-form calculator that shows you after like fourteen years then you're gonna start making a couple hundred bucks and then you're gonna start convincing yourself well the house will appreciate well maybe it will but if you if you borrow the money against the house then you're having to pay that loan back which means you're basically now screwing your cash flow again because you're having to make that payment well tim the, the tenant will pay but the property well, then you've you've negated the whole benefit of guys. Get the point? It's like a circular argument. The whole idea that real estate, uh, highly leveraged real estate, is a is a home run. The older you get, the less debt you want. I mean, there's different people like you know that say that you should have no debt by the time you're 45 or 50. I think some of that's true, but I also think if you can borrow money for less than 3%, having that money uh, in yeah. you know, an, well. an asset. But, but let me finish the point. Okay. So if you had 30 properties that were all paid off that are worth $6 million, let's just, like I said a second ago, the money is in money jail. You can't really get at it unless you borrow against it, and then you have to pay to use your money. Or you can sell it, but then if you have to sell it, you know you have to then pay recapture, and you have to pay, um, you know, your uh, profit on or tax on the profit, mm-hmm. and it's ugly. And now you can ten thirty one at another property, but then maybe now you're, you're back in the same. Now business. you're back in the, okay. So if you have thirty properties, here's what your average net per property is going to be, and this this is if they're worth two hundred grand, and I'm speaking one hundred percent from our own spreadsheet. You're going to be making about thousand bucks per property. Yep.
1: That's after property tax and some management fees but not much maybe an hoa fee right there but on average you'll end up at about a thousand but tim
0: you have the appreciation and you have the um you know the the de- depreciation i get that so the three benefits of real estate are appreciation depreciation and um and um depreciation cash flow and cash flow yeah um so if you have 30 properties now, you might, not have, you might have a very low vacancy rate. Let's say you have you know three that are vacant, but you're going to have a, a certain percent of those that are always going to be bleeding you dry for money. It's going to be the flooded basements. It's going to be the roof that needs replaced. It's going to be all, so you're making $30,000 a month, but your actual, work, your actual net profit from that, when you take out the expenses of managing those properties, the real expenses, is probably realistically going to be, what do you think about, half that, maybe like high teens, 15000 16000
1: be a little bit more than half. But I mean it, it depends a lot on vacancy and stuff right. like that. But and yeah, it's not going to be 30 grand, I'll tell you that.
0: And what you're seeing now is you're seeing your carrying costs of the properties in most of the states because the increasing property taxes and HOAs and insurances and all these other things are starting to outpace your ability to raise the rents. So your actual That's return Absolutely true. Your at, your return on investment is actually decreasing. So look, the whole conversation for most of you, it starts and ends with the fact that you can never save up enough money to basically even live off, paid off cash flow uh, properties, right? So let's just be well, realistic. That's problem
1: one. Problem two is you're hard pressed to find a decent rental property for 200 grand anywhere in the country right now. There's a few markets that you still can. It is very but difficult. It, it's, and it's getting harder. I mean, finding inventory at all, even for your real estate clients, much less yourself, has become much more difficult than right. when we were
0: doing it. Right. And but so you go to back to the premise of that Glenn had, right? Yeah. Why is that agents basically never retire? It's mm-hmm. because most agents don't have the ability to purchase rental properties, um, just for a whole host of reasons. But the ones that we the 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 thing we just said should be evidence to you or at least give you the breadcrumbs to really start thinking about that investment thesis. Because that's the one that we are born and raised on. And now that we're at the other end of that bridge, we could add more rental properties. You could hear this sort of emotional turmoil that we (laughs) we still go through because that's how we're pre-programmed to think, right? Buy more rental properties, buy more rental properties. But I'm looking now at this EXP revenue share thing and I'm thinking to myself, why the hell would I want to buy more rental properties? No. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense.
1: No, and it, you're only talking about the financial aspect. There's right. also a mental and emotional aspect. Like if you're going to spend an hour on the phone, would you rather be helping agents versus you know negotiating with a roofer, right? Or whatever, choose your poison. But you know, I I think use that analogy, but you can get there so much faster with with ESP. revenue share. And that's without you being like a rock star recruiter or having to increase the number of homes that you're selling by very much, or maybe even keep it the same.
0: Our revenue share. You know I mean? Okay. So this is a stone cold fact. And I'm not going to give you guys numbers because frankly, I don't think I'm supposed to, but our personal revenue share from eXp is almost, uh, it's actually, let me think. It's almost double basically, mm-hmm. right? What we make from having all those rental properties that it yeah. took you and I decades to acquire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. isn't that amazing to think? It and is. we've done that in less than two years.
1: It's incredible. And, and you it, know, we're absolutely not the only story like that.
0: No, not no way. About us. Tons about of people. All of you
1: guys. You right.
0: Know? And you don't have to have the number one listen to daily podcast and be a, you know, have influence and all that because... There's people that are making millions of dollars from EXP that you've never heard of, and the only thing that they did is they they scheduled themselves time every single week to have intentional conversations about recruiting people in EXP. And when they do when they do it, and then they basically have those people do so. Look, you're going to sponsor ten people, maybe two of them. Um, want to build meaningful revenue share? Well, that's fantastic because when those two add ten and those two, and yes, guys, it is about it is a recruiting model, but that's not this pointing into the spear with the XP the real benefit of the brokerage is the brokerage itself. You can be, you can participate in EXP and you can never even give two wits about revenue share or about the stock. And there's a lot of people that basically love the brokerage. And look, for the most part, it's going to pay, the commission split's going to be advantageous, you know, obviously compared to whatever you're paying now. But the community, the sense of adventure that we're all on is, you know, in the formation of the probably what's going to be the world's largest real estate brokerage in history. That's what's truly exciting. And if you're looking for like constant uh, motivation if you're looking to be around positive energized people well that's what you want you want to be part of a you know you want to be part of the ship that's going to go to mars not some sinking ship that's basically floating somewhere in the middle of the atlantic you know i mean so that's That's what so many exciting things that and that i guess as i was listening to you talk before about you know people's uh, sort of you know dug in philosophies or approaches to Mm -hmm. life that essentially the unintended consequences of for example of not um at least taking this opportunity seriously. I feel at this point in my life, I am not able to say I don't care about the people who are like, I know some people, they get to the point where they say like, well, if they don't want to listen, I just don't care. I can never say that. No, I can't.
1: You know, what? I think some of it is for a lot of our listeners, they spend a lot of time and energy making their current brokerage decision, even if that was 10 years ago. And, By having to think of something new, you know, that can create some uncomfortable feelings because it's almost like you're, you make, they subconsciously feel like they're criticizing their, their previous programming that they made that decision. Well, I understand that. It's ego. Well, it is. I mean, you, you, they don't feel it that way, but that's, that's kind of the internal consternation. But to that, I would say you're being really, um, you know, kind of irresponsible by not Thinking bigger again in your life, in your career. You probably did make a decision, a great decision back then. That's right. With the tools that you had to make it with and the circumstances, just like when we bought our rental property. That's what we had to work with. I'm glad we have them now. Wouldn't do it again. That doesn't mean that um, past Tim and Julie were stupid. It just means that at the time we made the best decision that we could with the tools that we had. Right. Now, listeners, you have different tools, different models. You know a totally different game that you can be in and to not at least examine that and understand it i think is kind of irresponsible to yourself your family and your financial future because if you stay on the track that you're on it i i'm just telling you it's gonna take longer
0: You'll never do it. They or you won't, won't do, do it. it at all. They won't do it. How many people do you know in real estate that ever retire? They don't retire.
1: No. And business. Here's the other myth. They just, I'll just sell my business. Right. That doesn't happen
0: either. No. There is no selling of your business. The no, the. That's a myth. Selling real estate doesn't make you rich. It's what comes from the profits from selling real estate that make you rich. I mean that's something we've been saying forever. But the reality of it is is if you align with EXP and you just take you know some level of action when you're at the company, you're then going to have multiple things. Remember our spokes in the wheel analogy. You know we talk about different spokes in the wheel that are all supposed to, each spoke represents a source of business. We'll be talking about that in our normal podcast. Well the fact is is that you also need to scale that up and think so think of your spokes in the wheel and those spokes representing sources of income. And that's what we talk about in Harris Rules. So like I'll give you for example. Let's say you're at EXP you're selling real estate just like you are. And let's say you're not going to sell any more than what you sold last year. But you're making more because the commission splits are better. You're making more because you're getting you're essentially increasing your net worth because you're getting equity in the company. You're increasing your cash flow because you're getting revenue share. Right? So now let's say you're still selling real estate, and all the while these other spokes are creating more sources of, of net worth and cash flow for you. Don't spend that money or don't stop selling real estate. You know, don't sell the stock and stop selling real estate, or don't spend the cash flow. I use the house analogy as, an, as a for example, but what I personally suggest all of my the people that are in our group called Libertas is we suggest that they take that money and then they start investing the money from their revenue share. And you can invest that in just things like that are dividend paying um, stocks. You can go to Vanguard and you can buy index funds that are dividend paying, meaning you then are going to invest in something that costs you virtually nothing to purchase a a Vanguard index fund and there's lots of them that pay dividends and some of the dividends they pay are like 6% annually so now what you're doing is you've got a source of income from selling real estate You've got a source of income from you know the equity that you're getting in the company EXP. You're getting source of income from the revenue share, but now you're being smart and you're taking that revenue share money and you're investing that in something else that's also truly passive, which is dividend paying um, equity. And you know you're buying stock and essentially a companies that pay dividends. A dividend is where they're giving you a portion of the profit that they make. And some of them pay quarterly, some of them pay monthly, some of them pay twice a year. But now you're creating mul- more multiple spokes of income, and you're creating the more the the further out from your original source of income which is selling real estate the more or the less work those spokes require so wait
1: a minute so you're saying when your money is starting to work for you
0: and you no longer have to work for your money and that's the definition of rich Mm -hmm. right and i remember that julie and i were blessed to have an early mentor this was back in the 90s and i asked him once um and he was a billionaire he's passed and i asked him once you know how is it that you i knew enough about him to know that he was just basically a farm boy from indiana and um you know, we met him at a Howard Britton event, and he was telling me that what he and his wife started to do, Duvall, Jim Duvall, mm-hmm. is that he would uh, they would flip farms. <laughs> That's what he was doing mm-hmm. in Indiana. They'd buy farmland. And he was buying farmland back when, you many of you won't remember this, back in the early 80s, there was a lot of farms that went into foreclosure and back in, the, in different different things. So he started buying them regionally in the Midwest, and then he started expanding, and then he started owning things up in Canada and things like that. But what he said ultimately, what in order for him to have the money to go buy these assets, because they came from nothing as well, was he had to start setting aside ten percent of every dollar that they earned, and then as uh, you know, then they were set aside as twenty you know, percent as they paid off debt. Then they would be able to put more money to an investment. That's the path that Julie and I followed, and now I have to tell you, it works. Hell yeah, it works. But it's a lot of freaking sacrifice. It's a lot of uh, it's a lot of discipline. It's a lot of dedication. It's a lot of belief and something that's going to be so far off in the distant future that you just hope you live enough long enough to enjoy it. Or when you get there that you're not so old that you can't enjoy it. I mean, that's in essence, the normal path that normal people that aren't born with money have to follow. And you do that through buying rental properties or putting a little, you know, a little bit in the stock market and you're you know looking at that report that says thirty years from now you're gonna be worth a million dollars if you continue to invest this m-. well revenue share gets you to the point where you can be essentially rich where your money's working for you you no longer have to work for your money. And you know, I known people that have done it in a year and two years and three years. And here's the thing that's really crazy about EXP. It's just getting started. Forty thousand agents at the end of this year, hundred thousand agents at the, end of the next year. Their EXP is now in India, Portugal Canada, Mexico, uh, France, I'm sure Australia, I'm forgetting. I think. Uh, yeah. Diff- and then it, they're opening up globally. So this is going to be the largest real estate company with the most real estate agents on planet earth. And why are so many agents flocking to eXp? For all the reasons that we're stating right now. That's, I have to say, professionally speaking, something I'm incredibly excited about.
1: Yeah. but by I mean, absolutely one of our best business decisions ever, 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 ever.
0: Yeah. Ever. Top three. Yeah, and I I mean, the
1: only regret probably is that maybe we could have done it a little bit sooner, but we were, like some of you, skeptics for a while. We should have done it sooner. Until we actually went to an event, we figured it out, we studied the model, and we got it. Yep. Big light bulb. Yeah, and also honestly, from a coaching perspective, realized that it fits right into our spokes on the wheel model. And if we knew about this thing and we didn't tell you guys about it, that would kind of make us a little schmucky.
0: Well, but that's yeah. I mean, you know, Julie asked me this question when we were coming back from that event in San Antonio. She said, "Tim, do you believe this is the best thing for agents?" Yes. "Tim, do you believe in the model and the people that are running it?" Yes, because the you know the people running the company are all operators, you know, high level operators. And so then the then the, she said to me, "So if you believe in all that, why wouldn't we do it? And don't you see by us?" And not doing it, you're being a hypocrite. And she didn't say it that concisely, but that was the essence of it. And she was right, you know. And that was that because we were resistant. We were fearful. We had all the ego resistance that so many agents have. But we we had a lot to lose. I mean, you guys, if you switch to a broker, you can just switch back. If you switch to EXP and you say it's not for you, you can just go back. Well, we had thousands of coaching clients and we were you know, still do uh, events in different brokerages other than exp so we we had a lot to lose we were worried that the backbone of our business would suffer if we aligned with exp and you know what the exact opposite happened this is true because people didn't care the brokerages didn't care they they wanted julie and i for our message and our coaching and you know our uniqueness in the marketplace and they could and julie has a license and has to hang someplace you know You're right Exactly. So that, that's the kind of, I mean, I didn't mean to get on this big eXp thing, but that's well, how. Well, I but
1: it comes up every day in our daily, you know, how many calls that we both do. It comes up, of course. We get emails and texts and people being curious and, yeah. you know, you have to address it.
0: Right. And so, look, we would love the opportunity to sponsor you at eXp. You guys can be part of our eXp group called Libertas. Um, and it's, look, it's super simple. All you got to do is text me directly on my cell phone, which is 512-758-0206. Again, I had rightful criticism from one of you guys last week. Someone texted me. Actually, I'll tell you his name. (laughs) I got it right here. Um, I think it was, no, it wasn't Mika. It was, maybe it was, I don't remember. Paul, one of you guys texted me and you said you know tim i was going to join exp and i've been listening to you guys talk about exp but i hadn't put the pieces together that you guys were actually agents at exp and i thought wow that's it's my fault for not making that really clear it's
1: because we live in our podcast world and, i know you know they're not always clear that we actually do what you guys do
0: too right well we don't sell real estate anymore but so no, if you if you guys want to have um if you want to join exp if you want to discuss exp if you want to look at that as a really good financial turning point in your life for, you know, 2021 uh, going forward, text me directly at 512-758-0206. This
1: is a great time of year to do it, too, Heck because, yeah. you know, the rest of the world, and I know, oh, I work right through the holidays, but well, first of all, what are you thinking? It's okay to take some downtime, but the rest of the world doesn't really expect you to be quite as frosty over this next two weeks or so. And this historically has been the time that you guys like to make that switch. So it's okay. It's a little bit less disruptive, and it's a great way to start next year.
0: Right. So just text me directly at 512-758-0206. If you've got a big brokerage and you're worried about your expenses switching, text me. We've got a plan for you to help you out with that. Text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. Julie, you want to talk about any of our wacky news or you want to give us a break?
1: We, We can save it up. For uh, after Christmas, it's okay. Okay. Because our next Sunday show will be after Christmas.
0: Right. That's if we feel like doing a story or a podcast after. We probably will. That's okay. That's yeah. All good. Yeah. That's all good. So look, we did have some funny news stories, but we're going to hold those <laughs> off. Was there none that you wanted to share? Just kind of round the bend um, in a holiday sense.
1: Well, we talked about the the uh, Christmas star. Let's see.
0: Oh, you know what? Now, this one's this one was hilarious. But I, you know what? We should mm-hmm. save that one though. Well,
1: okay. Wait. This kind of affects them. Go to the zoom suit.
0: Uh, You want to talk about this?
1: (laughs) Because I thought it was a great business idea and kind of silly and weird.
0: All right, go for it.
1: So Japan's pajama, where's the headline? Pajama suit helps teleworkers look good for Zoom calls. In Tokyo, okay, want to look good for a Zoom meeting but don't want to get too dressed up. A Japanese apparel company has created pajama suit. That's meant to resemble office attire, but feel as snug as sleepwear. Hmm. So we've seen some really weird stuff. On no, sleepwear. I'm liking this. I Keep reading. <laughs> I know, right? Aoki Holdings is marketing the navy, beige, and black and dark gray suits for both men and women to tell workers... As more than pajamas and less than fashionable clothes. Sold as suit separates, the jackets are knit cardigans and can be mixed and matched with elastic waist pants designed for sitting for long periods. All items in the collection cost about 50 bucks a piece, uh, each in Aoki's online store. The pajama suit highlights the ways clothing makers are trying to adapt as they struggle. So here's an example of a pandemic-produced company, right? (laughs) And uh, yeah, I just thought that was kind of...
0: You know, actually, I'm going to have you read this story because I just thought this was awesome. So if you guys want more signs that we're ending the craziest year ever. Oh, yeah. Okay, here's going to be one. Well, we could talk (laughs) about aliens, but let's hold that one off. Yeah. Oh, by the way, the only prediction, the only zany, crazy prediction that didn't come true that Julie and I had after COVID was that there was going to be aliens, alien visitation. But you know what? It's based, too soon to tell. It's too soon to sell, tell because there's more <laughs> stories coming out from around the country of people claiming to see aliens. Per- yes,
1: and if you live in New York City, your aliens—you know—your suspected alien sightings are up 248 percent since 2018. So, just saying. <laughs> okay, uh, Belgian racing pigeon New Kim sells for a record 1.4 million. I think that's euros. It, euros. No, that's pounds. Oh, that's pounds. Mystery yep. bidding war between somebody named Super Duper and Hitman. Okay, stop. Yes.
0: So I'm looking at a picture of a very handsome looking pigeon. I'll give you that. A
1: racing pigeon.
0: And he's a racing pigeon. But did you notice he actually has three racing stripes? stripes? (laughs) And he has a green head. It makes him shiny. Okay. So this thing sold for 1.4 million pounds, which I'm going to guess is probably close to $2 million.
1: For one bird. A female racing pigeon from Belgium called New Kim has been sold for a record 1.6 million euros, 1.4 million uh, pounds to a mystery Chinese buyer at an online auction during a frantic final 30 minutes at the end of a two-week auction at the PIPA, which is a Belgian auction house for there's an auction house for racing pigeons. Oh, of course, uh, two Chinese bidders operating under the pseudonyms Super Duper and Hitman drove up the price. Super Duper got the bird and said to be and is said to be the same wealthy Chinese industrialist who already has met a male pigeon, Armando, dubbed the Lewis Hamilton of the sport. If you guys don't know who Lewis Hamilton is, he wins Formula One races. So apparently, this is a very racy pigeon. <laughs> He sold for 1.25 million euros last year, and it's thought both birds may be used by the unnamed buyer for breeding. What the hell oh, is it going to do oh, with them? Why not, right?
0: What's it going to do, eat them?
1: I know. So, <laughs> uh, And the amazing thing is that there was more than one bidder <laughs> know. something like this.
0: <laughs> New, pin, New Kim started at 200 uh, pounds, on November second, and but rose to a bid of one point three million pounds from a South African who grew up within ninety minutes. I don't know the rest of the story. Oh my gosh, it goes on and on. So there's more examples of pigeons selling for tons of money. Well, this, you
1: know, you were talking about different asset classes last week when we were well, saying that people are investing. That's the reason in. I thought it was funny. But this wasn't maybe the first thing that would come to mind, but. It
0: is for them, maybe? So, but this yeah. actually goes to the predictions thing that we're working on. Um, and one of the it's actually. The futures. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> what you're going to start seeing is more inflation and in housing uh, that's going to cause, you know, obviously prices to rise. And virtually every other industry is going to suffer as a result of inflation, except all of you uh, listeners, because as houses increase in cost, your commissions are going to increase right along with them. Right. So we're the only industry that's really truly going to benefit from inflation.
1: You have a raise baked into what you do. Which is
0: amazing. And the uh, another little – so the other thing you're seeing is you're going to start seeing – and because of inflation, and we're going to be talking about this more on our predictions podcast, is coming from all the Fed printing all this money and all this other stuff that's happening – Um, But assuming it doesn't become hyperinflation, the inflationary time, if you position yourself well, you can do incredibly well. I just told you guys about EXP. That would be a smart move. Um, but as far as like inflation, it also shows up in uh, things like racing pigeons, or it'll show up in collectibles. And some of you are saying, "Well, Tim, I'm not an art buyer." But what I'm suggesting to you, it's not just things that the high flutiners t- are buying. It's everything else is going to start inflating in cost too. Like used cars now are selling for as cl- uh, the highest percent close to original price as they have since like I think it was the 50s or something.
1: And some of them for more than their
0: original. yeah. Amazing. A lot of cars are selling normal cars, not just ex- yeah. you know limited edition whatnots, but normal. Cars, and you're seeing like if you wanted to order any kind, like we bought that cabin in uh, North in Murphy, North Carolina, I was shopping for some UTV to take Julie and Zoe and my mom, actually, which will be hilarious mm-hmm. out in the woods in this crazy thing, you know. Yep. And it's like four to six weeks. And I said, Well, what do you have used? And used sells for more than what the new yep. one would cost.
1: I know it's crazy. It is crazy. I mean, our friends moving here that need golf carts are having to wait for delivery on those like
0: three months. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And so you could sell your used golf cart, which you know is you can sell for more than a new one because people don't want to wait. Fine demand. But you're gonna. But what's not yet happened is the manufacturers aren't yet increasing prices, but they will as soon as you their are. hard costs increase. Mm-hmm. And you're reading stories about inflation of uh, building supplies and all these other things. But look, we'll we'll meander into those waters on a future podcast. But in the meantime, Julie, I love you. I love you too. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> and all of you guys, thank you for continuing to make this number one listen to daily podcast in the nation. Um, Julie, I think what we're going to do for our special um, you know, Christmas, uh, I, I don't know what you want to call it, card for all of our podcast yes. listeners. And I, I'm going I'm to task Very you excited. with this. You know what I'm going to say? We're
1: going to have Zoe sing. Aren't
0: we? I want you to have Zoe sing, but and we'll do a video, <laughs> and we'll sh- and we'll share it, Elf Zoe. But you're going to have to get her super, you know, cleaned up. Elfed up. You you're gonna right. You're gonna to have to uh, make her look less feral.
1: Yes, I know <laughs> she has a little bit gone to see it this week. That's right. As soon as school was over, and we'll, we'll send that out ahead. to everyone. What yep. she?
0: What do you think she'll want to sing?
1: And it's probably going to be Rudolph. She's pretty good at Silent Night, but Rudolph's a little bit more upbeat, so. Yeah, that's true. And she knows all three verses. So you've been warned.
0: All right. Well, God bless all of you guys. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Um, We're going to put in another podcast or two on predictions next week. But other than that, we'll talk with you after the holiday.